Well, good evening. It is good to see all of you out tonight. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for tonight continues our one word series. We're in lesson 46. We're almost to the end. We're getting there. But tonight's lesson is on the word propitiation. And as I was preparing the lesson for tonight, I hadn't realized how much it coincided with the one from this morning. So these lessons go very well together. There is, is a great deal about propitiation in this morning's lesson, and there's a lot about the judgment in this one. So hopefully that will help us and, and be beneficial to us in this study. When was the last time you heard the word propitiation used outside of a sermon or a Bible class? Chances are it's probably not very often. We don't use this word very often. It's one of those words that, that is particular to Scripture, uh, but it's one that is important to us as Christians and one that we should be familiar with. Its meaning is the action of propitiating or appeasing a God, spirit, or person. That's your standard definition that is given for this word. But there are other words that can be used to, to further this idea of propitiation. Words that, that we are also familiar with from Scripture. Such as the word atonement. Justification. Redemption. The words mercy and grace. All of these have some ties to propitiation. As a matter of fact, I believe most all, if most of these, if not all, are used in Romans 3, verses 21 through 26. And last week's lesson, we used a great deal of, of these verses in our lesson. But just going back to that for a moment, Romans 3 and verse 21, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. One of the things that we must understand about this word propitiation it is only through the blood of Christ that we are saved. And through His blood, Jesus became the propitiation for our sins. By Him and in particular, His sacrifice for us, we are made to be at one with Him as Jesus' blood becomes our atonement. 
It is as if we had never sinned, as we are justified through faith and obedience. Through Christ we are redeemed unto God, saved and set free from our sin and guilt. As we go through this lesson tonight, one of the things that we will realize is that it is only through Christ's blood that we can be saved from our sins. We're going to use Hebrews chapter 9 as our lesson for tonight. And we'll look at some other verses too. But primarily we're going to stay in Hebrews chapter 9. And if you'd like to turn there and follow along, you may. But we begin tonight with an illustration. An illustration. Hebrews 9 provides us with a description of how atonement was made according to Old Testament law. In Hebrews chapter 9, beginning with verse 1, we read this. Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was prepared. The first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. In regard to the Ark of the Covenant, uh, this is something we discussed in our Bible class this morning. Verse 6, Now when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But into the second part the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Concerned only with foods and drinks, various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. And keep that word in mind because that's going to be uh, part of our lesson uh, in a moment. The only way for the Jews to atone, and a good way of describing atonement is being at one with God or Christ. The only way for the Jews to atone or to be at one with God, to atone for their sins, was through the blood of animal sacrifices. Had they not offered the animal sacrifices, their sins would not be atoned for. That was the way that, that God had set forth for them to atone for their sins. 
And as long as they continued to make these sacrifices, they remained at one with God. They were doing God's will. At least for the present time. But was this system perfect? Let's jump forward for a moment to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Even though they were doing God's will, even though they were doing what they needed to do to atone for their sins, these sacrifices could not make them perfect before God. Can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Verse 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshippers once purified would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Though it was not a perfect system, a perfect system was to come in which the necessity of animal sacrifices would no longer be. And so the animal sacrifices that they were using to atone for their sins, to keep them at one with God, they were looking forward to something better, something stronger, something that would completely cleanse their sins. In Leviticus chapter 16, we have a description of a scapegoat. A scapegoat. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but I do want to read a few verses from the beginning of Leviticus chapter 16, verses 3 through 10. Leviticus 16 and verse 3. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban. He shall be attired. These are holy Garments. Therefore he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats. One lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat 
on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. As we look at these two goats, we see that one was to be a sacrifice and the other was to be set free, becoming the scapegoat. Is it fair that one should die for another? I think we would all agree that, that it doesn't seem fair, does it? That one should die for another. As we look forward to the next few verses of Hebrews 9, let me ask you this question. Is it fair that Jesus died for us? Going forward in Hebrews chapter 9, we read of a reformation. A reformation. We know that the old law was imperfect and that it did not completely take away the sins of the people. It, it atoned for them, but it didn't completely take away their sins. And so due to the imperfection of the law and that it did not completely atone for the sins of the people, another sacrifice was necessary. More than what they had been offering, something that was greater. Someone that was greater. And until Jesus came to earth and died for the sins of mankind, we understand that this perfect sacrifice was not available to God's people in the Old Testament times. And that's why they were given these animal sacrifices to atone for their sins. But all of this was in God's timing and in His perfect plan. Because even in the Old Testament law, again, we're looking forward to what would be. Reformation. Reformation is a mending of something that is broken. And in regard to Hebrews chapter 9, we understand this to be, to be man, to be God's people. Man on his own is left broken, so to speak. He is left in sin. And those sins cannot be atoned for without a sacrifice. But with the blood of Jesus, however, what is broken is reformed or repaired. We have three words we're going to look at going into the last part of Hebrews chapter 9. First of all, we have the word redemption. And we're going to talk more about redemption next week, Lord willing. But as we look at this word redemption, and just look, at, look for it in these verses. Hebrews 9, verses 11 through 15. Hebrews 9, and beginning with verse 11. But Christ came as high priest 
of the good things to come. With the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. For the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the, the eternal inheritance. We see that Christ is the mediator of the new covenant for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. I believe it is Marshall Keeble that is accredited with this saying. But the blood of Jesus flows backwards and forwards, cleansing those under both covenants, under the old covenant and those under the new covenant. So those that were, were offering the animal sacrifices, those that were doing those things that would keep them at one with God, they are covered by the blood of Christ. When He died on the cross, He died for their sins as well because as we look at the old law, again, it was also looking forward to Christ's sacrifice on the cross. All who have been faithful are able to receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. Ephesians 1 and verse 7. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. In Him we have redemption through His blood. A man by the name of A.T. Robertson said this, So then, the atoning sacrifice of Christ is the basis for the salvation of all who were saved before the cross and since. Without the atoning blood of Christ, in the sins of those under Old Testament law, it could not have been forgiven. Even these sacrifices wouldn't atone for their sins if they didn't look forward to the perfect sacrifice of Christ. Their forgiveness is ours. Looked forward to the shedding of the blood of Christ as the perfect atoning sacrifice. Redemption is the act of saving man from, sin, from his sins. And only Christ's blood possesses 
such redeeming power. Our second word, remission. Remission. Hebrews 9, beginning with verse 16. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water, scarlet, wool, and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Now keep that in mind as we, we look at the New Testament and as we look at the commands that are given to us in order to become Christians. Acts 2.38, Peter was asked the question, What shall we do? And Peter answered, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we, we may take for granted that, that in obedience to the gospel plan of salvation, in our faith that leads us to repentance, confession of faith in Christ, and baptism, that the remission of sins would not come unless Jesus had offered Himself as the perfect sacrifice. Unless there was the shedding of blood. You see, without the blood of Christ, the acts of obedience mentioned here would be worthless because they could not provide remission of sins on their own. But there must be the shedding of the blood of the perfect sacrifice. In Acts 10, verses 42 and 43, And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is He who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To Him all the prophets witness that through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. But again, remission of sins is not possible without the shed blood. Of Christ. And so he needed to be the propitiation for our sin. We have one more word that I want us to notice here. The word intercession. Intercession. In Hebrews 9, beginning with verse 23, therefore it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, 
now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. When we could not atone for our sins, Christ interceded with the Father on our behalf. He offered his own blood to cleanse us of our sin. When we face judgment, as we talked about this morning, we can be seen as righteous before God because Christ's blood has been applied and covers our transgressions. And though we are truly guilty of every sin we've ever committed, because of Christ's blood, our sins are no longer held against us. I think of the song, When I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass, over you. Just as in the days of the Old Testament, in the time of the plagues and the, the plague of the firstborn, when God saw the blood, when the angels saw the blood, passed over the house. And so he had that illustration in mind that when God sees the blood of his son, he passes over us. In Romans 8, in verses 31 through 39. Romans 8, and beginning with verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? who shall bring a charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemned? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
Let's go back for a moment to the scapegoat from Leviticus 16. Remembering the scapegoat and how unfair that seemed that one should die for another. We also understand that the sacrifice of Christ was not fair. It was not fair because Jesus was without sin and yet He had to die in order to be our propitiation for our sins. It was not fair that He should die for the sins of the world. But He did. Why? Why did Jesus die for the sins of the world? Why would He sacrifice Himself in the way that He did? And why would God allow such a sacrifice? I think Romans 8 makes it pretty clear. Let's notice a couple of other familiar verses. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Greater love has no, no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friend. Because God so loved the world, He offered His Son as a perfect sacrifice. Propitiation for our sins. John 3.16 And Jesus, I believe He's speaking of Himself here. When He says, greater love has no one than this. He's speaking of what He would shortly do. He would sacrifice Himself. Showing us the greatest love of all. John 15 and verse 13. The answer. Why would Jesus die for us? Seeming so unfair as it is. Why would He do that? Because He loved us. Because He loved us. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood 
of Jesus. It is recorded that a faithful Christian had a dream. And in this dream, he dreamed that he met Satan. And, and Satan came to him with a, a, a long, long scroll. And, and as Satan read the scroll, as the man saw the scroll, it listed every sin that he had ever committed. Oh, Satan thought he had him. He thought that he would join him in his eternity. But the man looking at the scroll said, there's something not written here, something that you have forgotten. And Satan asked, what might that be? But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. 1 John 1 and verse 7. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. And as they looked at that scroll, all the words on that scroll disappeared. The blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Very true. But it is only true for those are obedient to God. By faith being led to repentance. Changing of life. Something that continues on into our Christianity. We still have to continue to change. We, we put aside the, the sins that, that we have once been involved in we turn to God and we serve Him confession of faith in Christ and baptism for the remission of our sins remission that is only provided through the blood of Christ then the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin but we also must remain faithful it doesn't end with obedience to the gospel plan of salvation. We must remain faithful. Maybe it is that you're subject to the Lord's invitation tonight. Maybe you need to come in obedience or maybe you need to come in repentance. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness for something that you've done. Or ask for prayers on your behalf. If there's some way that we can help you tonight, we offer the Lord's invitation to you. We hope that you would respond before it is too late. As together we stand and as we sing.